Okay. So I was at the rumpus party. Yeah. Um, and it was really loud, so from time to time I'm ste- I would step out to the smoking area just to take it easy and talk to people. Yeah. Because you can actually talk to people in smoking areas. It's an old you university certainly. bar strategy for me. You certainly couldn't inside. No, no. Um, so it was kind of reaching the end of the night. Went out for a little cigar break and uh, <laughs> sat down on this bench. And there were two guys next to me who were talking about taking responsibility for your food and like killing your own food okay. and, and how you, that makes you moral, morally responsible. And I had just had the same conversation, like, the night before. Yep. Um, and about this dish you can get in Japan where you eat a live frog and it looks you in the eye the entire time, and which is insanely humane. But there was a guy arguing basically the same point that you have to feel morally responsible. And I was like, you could also just not torture it. <laughs> but, <laughs> but anyway, so... I, I, you know, I threaded myself into the conversation. Yeah. I thought fairly uh, smoothly and uh, talked about that for a bit. They asked me who I am, introduced myself, like tell them what brings me to GDC. Yeah. And then I ask this guy, same thing, what about you? And then he kind of gives me like a very large chunk of his life uh, up until... He's like, so in 2008, I made this. In 2009, I made this. Then in 2010, I made insert one of my favorite games ever. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and then in 2011, blah, blah, blah. And here I am. Uh, and I was like, wow, you made X game. That's, that's really cool. I did not get gushy. I swear <laughs> I didn't get gushy. And, and uh, he's like, yeah, yeah. Um, anyways, uh, we were just in a meeting. And I was like, really? <laughs> it's like one in the morning. Um, but I was like, okay, fine. And just about faced and started leaving. Yeah. I was like two steps away. And I hear the guy say, yeah, I just, uh, I just told him we were in a meeting. <laughs> so I had like. So you got totally blown off. Totally blown off. Totally like, blown off I like by somebody who did who, one, one, of of my favorite, favorite one of my favorite games of all time. <laughs> and it wasn't like he was the sound guy. He like, he's like, I made X. Yeah. Like, he did the whole thing. Though I think doing a little research afterwards, not research, talking to people, I think he was inflating it a bit. Yep. But, uh, <laughs> so I was just like, God, this is stupid. <laughs> Threw away my cigar and just stomped back inside <laughs> and ordered a big mm. rum. <laughs> so that, Other than that, so GDC that, was fantastic. That brings us to episode three. Beards, Cats, and Indie Game Audio, GDC edition. Welcome. I'm Gordon McGlattery. Uh, Matthew Martinson. And here we are. Uh, Brief apologies. Um, This might not sound great because I still am getting my voice back. I think I left it at GDC. And there is a large vacuum truck in the alley behind my house that I don't know what it's doing. But it's making a lot of noise. We waited for an hour. And yeah, it's it's dead set on Sunday vacuum. So. Um, yeah, we'll do what we can. But here we are, uh, a month-ish later. Um, it's kind of awesome seeing everybody is uh, seems to be liking what we're doing in this uh Yeah, it's super encouraging. Area. So um, I had a lot of people at GDC who were like, yeah, I heard of you. And I was like, really? That's, yeah. that's sweet. Um, and lots of people listening, so so it's cool. Pressure's on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We gotta, we gotta perform now. I don't even research. <laughs> so the the brief research that uh, we both did of like, hey, let's talk about some stuff. <laughs> um, one of the big things at uh, GDC around GDC, I guess, was all the announcements about middleware. Yeah, that that was so funny. Um, like, well. Barring GDC, this has been one of the biggest months in game audio since I started doing it. Yeah. With all of a sudden FMODs free to 100K for indie budgets. Yeah. Uh, Wise is free up to 200 sounds. Yeah. Um, 200 assets. You know what someone was mentioning, Matt, at the indie game audio meetup? He was like, what if you can get 32 channel files in? Somebody else I was (laughs) was talking to was just use markers. 
seek, yeah. seek markers and you just put like one giant file. Yeah. So I'm sure like somebody's going CPU to you heavy, possibly and a bit out of the spirit of the 200 asset things. But I'm sure some people are going to try to work some like workarounds to get it to work. Yeah. Um, while I was at GDC, while I was in a talk about, and the guys were talking about how Wise is now free, uh, FMOD is now free. Um, somebody like yelled out from the crowd, "Fabric is now free as well." Yeah, like um, ten minutes. They were like ten minutes ago. As of ten minutes ago, yeah. Fabric is free too. Um, which is another budget-based. Um, I can't remember what theirs is, but like I think it was almost the exact same deal as FMOD. Yeah, so they're they're on a like for whatever under whatever budget is which mm-hmm. is, is free which is great um so options galore yeah now i think um i i think that fabric is is, is is its own case there is tons of reasons to i met taz who yeah. made fabric um at gdc which was awesome i got to talk to him and i think fabric really will like has its own little niche Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably a big niche. It's not a little one, but like they're the only one of those three that do web player stuff. Yeah. So if you're doing a web game, you can't use FMOD or Wise. You know, somebody right. can correct me on that, but that's Fabric's your only choice, is my understanding. Which is a good tool too. Like it's 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 a pretty cool thing these days. Yeah. Uh, it was Brennan Brennan Anderson, I think, the guy from Disney. Yep. Sound guy at, at Disney. He was he's uses fabric yeah I, I picked his brain a bit on it as well it was cool yeah so i think they've got they've got their spot that like nobody else is doing so like fabric is your only choice but it's a good choice it's not like oh my god i have to use fabric oh, boo-hoo. no it's like no it's like oh it's you have a cool choice in that regard now yes so why isn't why isn't uh fmod don't do that um but i think between wise and fmod i've started using wise um now yeah so i'm currently using designer FMOD Designer, FMOD Studio, and Wise. So I'm kind of like learning Studio and Wise at the moment. And, and I'm still using none. <laughs> but it's getting better. As soon yeah, as, like, no. the day that FMOD went free, I basically convinced two clients to, right. to switch over. Which I think, business-wise, FMOD has, is a better choice. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm tentatively putting my foot out there, I think Wise is a better tool. I like working in Wise more, but yeah. that's because I've used it more. Right. Um, but the general consensus, just talking to guys from Bioware, and, and is that it's less buggy. And you really like the bug, the bug checking. Yeah, the debugger in yeah. Wise is like my programmer. When we got Wise up and running, he like ran over and was like, "Oh my god, this is amazing!" Yeah. Um, not in that voice at all. Kevin doesn't sound like that at all. <laughs> um, but he, it, it immediately just like worked and was like. I, I've always had my programmers build me debug tools, which I'm lucky. I've, I have programmers to build me debug tools. Right. Um, so I've always had something, but theirs just was there and works, and works better than anything I've had my programmers make me. Yeah. Um, to no fault of my programmers, yeah. it's just like, it's a built-in thing that's awesome. So, yeah. So, like, I'm, I'm strangely, like, excited about a debug tool. I, well, I, mean, I think that shows the level of, like... That's... that's- it's such a huge part of our job. Yeah. It's just anything streamlining is good. I, I never thought I'd be like, yeah, debug tools, <laughs> man. <laughs> that's that's a weird thing to be excited about. But it is. It's such a, like, I there's problems that if I had had that tool, like, three years ago, I, there was problems that I would have, like, found just like that. Yeah. As opposed to spending, a, like, a couple of days poking around trying to figure out Right. What is going on? And like, it's just looks so much easier. So, yeah. Um, but that said, I still haven't dug enough into FMOD Studio to truly evaluate it. Well, and they're going to be getting so much feedback, right? Because yeah. they are just raking in clients right now. Yeah. I think business wise, I think the free under a budget mm-hmm. is um, better than the free. Two, free for 200 sounds. Yeah, because it I doesn't don't like it that doesn't, limitation. It doesn't limit your project creatively. Yeah. Um, and I know other guys, uh, Jack from Designing Sound, um, who I got to hang out with a lot at GDC, which is always great to see him there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the only time I get to see him. Yeah. And, and he's awesome. Um, he had convinced two, I think, two projects the week before to, to use Wise. To use Wise? Yeah. Well, um, good for him. So, yeah, it's. You know, but it's overall, it's awesome that there's now all these 
free middleware options. Games yeah. are going to sound a lot better this year, basically. And there's no which excuse. Which is so exciting. Yeah, yeah. There is an ex- there's no excuse now. Yeah. So, so that's super going to be super awesome. And that was one of the, some of the big tools um, seemed to be the big thing at GDC this year. Yeah. That was my experience of going to all the talks and talking to everybody. It's like, it was a big focus on audio tools. Yeah, I didn't have another year to compare it to. Yeah. But, uh, so there's a, there's, there's a nice little segue into GDC as a whole. We were both at GDC. And we both had very different uh, goals or platforms of being there, I guess. Yeah. Because I, I was there fully as a freelancer, and you were there with a studio. Yeah. So I, you, was, I was there to hang out with audio people. and You got to hang out with way more audio people. And you were there to hustle for gigs. Yes. A lot of grinding. Yeah. Um, but I had a great time. And how uh, did that go? It went really well. Yeah. Yeah, it went great. Um, I got to solidify gigs that I had started before. Mm-hmm. And, and mainly it was like just about seeing people that I had met at IndieCade, yep. actually recognizing them, or IndieCade and PAX, because last year was basically my first uh, year going to any kind of convention. Mm-hmm. Do you think you solidified those gigs because of GDC? Like because of like being in person? Or... Did yes. you just like wrap it up quicker? Um, probably a little column A, a little column B. Yeah. Uh, I think a couple of them were definitely being able to do a meet and greet. Yeah, actually really, really meet locked face it down. to face. Yeah, yeah, and discuss things so they know that I know what I'm talking about right. to a certain extent uh, until I don't. Yeah. Um, and, so that to me uh, kind of solidifies. I've always told people. Um, if you want to be taken seriously, go to GDC. Yeah, that, that you that a certain amount of credibility instantly gets attached to you because you you paid to get to GDC. Exactly. I think if there's to, anything to like go into a little bit of debt for, yeah, that is definitely a valuable business expense. Like this is going to pay for itself. Yeah, basically quickly. Yeah, and and the and these and the thing is, it's like these aren't clients that are just going to go away. I get to work on other games they do in the future as well, hopefully. So. Um, it was totally worth it. Totally worth it. And I'll be there every year, whether I'm with a studio or not. Also, I got to hang out with all of the Cellar Door Games guys. Right. Um, so that was important because we don't know when that's going to happen again. Yeah. Because we're all over the place. So yeah. it was great. Whereas I went to just hang out with audio people and go to talks and kind of being the one-man studio mm-hmm. at Clay, it's like that's my big chance to hang out with audio people and like these yeah are, these are my people who like know what i'm talking about yeah so that was that was awesome i went to um the game audio podcast does recording every morning during during the length of gdc so i was there at that for every morning which was was awesome they just have a big round table yeah. and it's like what's going on that day and what did you see yesterday and what's everybody kind of talking about cool and by the end it was like 20 people i think Really? So around the table? It got bigger? Yeah, as, as GDC went, and it's, and it's early. It's like, I would always get there late. I think they start at 7.30. Ugh. I would, like, roll in at Why? 8 and, like, <laughs> get in on the last bit of it. Um, but it was awesome. And, it, and then they're all, they're all up, so go go check out another podcast, the Game Audio Podcast. Check out the GDC stuff. I'm talking in there a bit on stuff. And it's a great big mishmash of opinions and different people like it was, right it's totally right. open call anyone who wants to show up so yeah 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 and it's also a great meeting spot That's gutsy. yeah it's a great meeting spot for like to connect with all audio people for the day yes i would see jack there and i would see damien there and i'd see anton there and i would, I would see rob there and i would see luca there and like all these other people i met i'd see joe there I'm bad with names so i'm not saying anyone's last name <laughs> So I was there in spirit. <laughs> yes, you didn't make it out to a single one. I didn't one. make it to a single one. You, you were asked about because, uh, you know, um, Damien mentioned our podcast on their podcast. Which I, know was awesome. you, I know you did a way better job of promoting the podcast than I did. Yeah, we I tried to. Have, I, have, I have Oak Close cards, Rogue Legacy cards, and then podcast cards. And I didn't want to give everybody So yeah, three anybody cards. who didn't make it to GDC and see me, um, we made... Little cards to hand out to to promote the podcast, just yeah. you know, web address and our our Twitter accounts, and we made two hundred, I think it was. Yeah. Um, and I have none. I, I have them. Ninety. <laughs> so I need to get some from you because I'm out. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So like Monday, I was I got I got into a GDC on on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, Monday there was no audio stuff. The audio stuff started on Tuesday. Okay. If you had an audio, I thought pass. I did go to an audio thing. No, I no, I had one. I had one talk scheduled for Monday. Yeah. And here's here's what I found interesting about GDC is they're so rigid <laughs> on their track passes because uh, Kenny and Teddy were doing a talk from yep. Rogue Legacy and they wouldn't let me in. Even though the speakers were there at the door saying, let this guy in, and I could not go to the talk on my own game. Mm, so that, that was a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. So I was on an audio track pass. Same. Same as you. Um, so there was nothing on Monday. Uh, so the podcast started recording Monday. I went first thing Monday morning, checked out the podcast with Game Audio Podcast guys, and then hung out with audio people for the whole rest of the day. Yeah. Like, that's all we did. Like, we had coffee. And then we went and got lunch, and we hung out, and then we went and got drinks and hung out somewhere else, and then there was a dinner that night that we went and hung out. So it was just a whole night of, like, hanging out with audio people at yeah. various locations. Yeah. I think the only time I wasn't hanging out with audio people on Monday was when I went back to my hotel to, like, drop some stuff and get a different jacket. Right. No, and I was grinding. Yeah. <laughs> Which is good. Grinding for works. <laughs> I mean, there's there's so many different ways you can approach GDC and different yeah. things you can get out of it. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting the because I think everyone everyone in our crew were all newbies yep. to GDC. None of us were fully aware of what the difference between an IGS pass was and what the conference pass was. Yeah. So we're like, so where, where's uh, where's GDC <laughs> exactly when we were at the talks? Yeah. Um, and then we're like, oh, it doesn't start till Wednesday. <laughs> so, which was fine for me because I upgraded to an IGS or to the com- conference pass. Yep. Um, but the other guys were just on IGS, so they didn't really have a lot to do mm-hmm. um, for the, the latter half of it. Yeah. Though I'm, I know they found things to do. Well, there's another thing too. There's a lot of um, I noticed a lot of more junior audio people, I guess you could say. Yep. Who had just had an expo pass, and I actually noticed other people who had no pass at all who were just there for the evening networking stuff because there's so much around GDC. You don't even need it to It doesn't need to be it. official at all. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. you can find out where everybody's hanging out for lunch and just go hang out for lunch. Yeah. And then find out where everybody's going for drinks afterwards and go out for drinks. Like yeah, there's so totally. much just hanging out with people that you can do. It's fully crashable. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Because, I mean, I get a lot of other talks, but you cannot go to talks and just hang out with people in your discipline. Yeah. Well, the audio boot camp was, was almost worth the price of admission. Yeah. On its own. Um, well, I guess $500 for a day of talks is a, is a bit much. <laughs> but the people giving the talks were, you know, the toppermost of the poppermost. Yeah. And it was, I was a little worried, uh, and I think you might have been too, because uh, the first talk was labeled intro slash sound design yep. and i was like well i don't really need an intro to sound design <laughs> um but then it turned out it was just like intro as in hello everybody and then an in-depth talk on sound design yeah which was fantastic so yeah. i love the talk what was what was your favorite okay tuesday audio boot camp yeah what was your favorite talk uh it's hard to say i really like charles deanan's Yep. Talk. It was really Charles cool. Dean was talking about trailers. Yeah, trailers ex- exclusively about trailers. It seems yeah. like that's almost that's, that's all he does. That's now. all he does now. Yeah. So seeing one of his sessions blown up, right? That yeah, was he crazy. actually showed it was like the anti Martinson session, <laughs> like sixty tracks. <laughs> yeah, probably he actually probably more. Showed Pro Tools sessions from trailers. Yeah. that they were working on, and showed was, the what, what was it the basically the the linear dynamic cur- emotional curve yeah. of trailers that was really cool the mm-hmm. other really interesting thing which i think uh, game devs and sound people and video editors can all take note of was that he, they would actually often start a trailer from sound from yeah. the sound of another trailer so basically remove the vo keep the music keep the dynamic rise and fall of the sound design yeah and then the editor can edit over that as a template yeah. and be, be able to keep that flow, which would never happen in a long-form film. Like, it was totally no. anti-everything I know about post-production audio, Yeah, where it's like, I'm not touching that until I get locked picture. Right. Um, where it's, 
Yeah, just completely backwards, which yeah. was really, really interesting. Yeah, that was pretty cool. And obviously leads to good results repeatedly. Yeah. The Prometheus trailer is like my favorite trailer of all time. <laughs> I don't care how the movie was. The yeah. trailer is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Possibly, yeah. The trailer was better than the movie. I want to like that movie so bad. But this isn't a movie podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, my favorite one from from the uh, the boot camp was uh, the Banner Saga music. Yeah, that was really good. He was just a good speaker. From? Austin Wintry. He, yeah, he was not only just a good... It was a good topic. He's a good speaker. He's a good public speaker. Exactly, so, yeah. Um, he was less focused on the actual music of Banner Saga and more about his kind of thing was own your decisions. Yeah. And he used Banner Saga as his example of the, the strange decisions he made musically and orchestrally and instrumentationally like, and committing to them. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to go for this, mm-hmm. take it to its end to see if it works. Yeah. Which I think is great. I think it's a, it's a really good idea. I think it's kind of what we did, um, prototyping the barks in Mark of the Ninja. Yeah. Like take it to a like shippable quality, like record it, uh, you know, fully acted well, sounding well, mastered properly, put it into the game and then decide if it works or not. Right. So he was, seemed to be like, you know, make your decision, own it, go all the way with it and then see if it works. Yeah. And that didn't mean like, don't ever change. Just make sure you're fully exploring the ideas and committing to them. Yeah. It's cool. No, that was a great talk. Um, yeah, they were all really good. Picking a favorite is kind of, it was just, those were the first that came to mind yeah. for me. Yeah. <laughs> but I, yeah. I enjoyed all of them. Okay, next day, Wednesday, what did you? It's all a blur, Matt. You didn't, you, you saw less talks because you were I saw fewer you were talks. Um, and I, I spent a lot of time with the Cellar Door Games guys. Yeah. Um, and I was in meetings, um, but main, most of my meetings were actually on like the last day, yeah, or on Friday. Wednesday night was the well. Wednesday night was the the rumpus party, right? Yeah. The and humble the, party was the was Tuesday night, and the humble party was fantastic. I um, went to an audio dinner, right? On Tuesday night. So the humble party is basically, I think, what all game industry parties should be. It was perfect. <laughs> there was there was no loud music. Yeah, you could talk. There was free food. There was free booze. There were games, tons and tons of games. Yeah. Um, and it was at so it was at the Mint, and I was like, oh, so I guess it's some bar. Yeah. No, it was actually the Mint where they used to make money. <laughs> it's like a castle. It was awesome. crazy. Yeah. Um, and I was talking to the humble guys, and I was like, this must be really expensive. And they were like, well, we don't throw a lot of parties, and we didn't hire a. A hundred dollar or a million dollar a night DJ. Yeah. So it's actually not that bad. Yeah. So, yeah, everybody should do that. Everybody yeah. rent the mint. I would go yeah, to a party at the mint every day. Like I went to a lot of <laughs> a lot of parties. Um, I went to the humble party. I went to the dot party. I went to like a um, pow pow pow. Like a lot of like big loud bands playing, DJs playing loud. Can't talk to anybody. Yeah. Lost my voice yelling at people. But and they were all fun. Like I had a good time. Yeah, because I was hanging out with people all day, and then it was like, okay, I'm going to go see a band. Right. Um, and then like, but still, one of my like favorite was like I went out for dinner with uh, Tim Keenan mm-hmm. from Misfits Addicts, who did a virus named Tom. Okay. And developer, not an audio guy, just just a developer. I've, I met him at PAX. He's a great guy. Yeah. We just went out for dinner, just the two of us, and it was great to just sit and talk one on one with somebody. Yeah. You know, about stuff in an environment where we could hear each other and, you know, it was awesome. Like, That's my preference. I mean, I like, especially, especially when I'm going to a conference for work. Yeah. You know, like I if, I'm just, to, if I'm just in a room and there's loud music pumping and I'm, and I always have this nagging feeling of I'm getting nothing done here. Yeah. Then it drives me crazy. Like I said, I kind of think the next time I go to, to GDC or another conference, I want to try to, make more one-on-one time with with people. And right. not even like I'm not hustling for work, so it's not like a one-on-one hustle time, but just yeah. like sit down and have like a conversation with Gain one person perspective. for like an hour or two. Like Yeah, yeah. It was really cool to, to do that. I mean, it, it was still tons of fun to like hang out with all the audio people. Mm-hmm. And I definitely got to hang out with audio people in situations where we could have small conversations. Like we'd, um, there's the carousel, which was, being worked on, so there wasn't actually a carousel there. But where the carousel is, okay, 
What um, is the carousel? It's a carousel. Oh, it's like, okay. It's a okay. carousel with horses and horses stuff. And stuff. Okay. Like kids ride on it. Um, but it was being worked on, so it was empty. Um, but it's a spot like on top of Moscone. Oh. Um, and it's there's a little grass area near it where like basically the audio guys would always go for lunch and hang out. Okay. So you kind of knew that like, okay, during oh, the lunchtime. Oh, I was there. I, I didn't know that that was a carousel. Yeah. I, the lunchtime break, you like, you'd, most of the other guys would grab food from Whole Foods and then go meet by the carousel and hang out in the sun and, and talk and eat and everything. So it was right. like a great spot. And you'd have tons of little conversations with two or three people. And, yeah. you know, it was, it was, that was always awesome. Like I would make a point of making sure I like, there was a couple times I skipped actually getting lunch so that I could get there in time to hang out with people. Like <laughs> I'll get food later. I want to hang out with the people. Right. Right. Uh, one of the other things I did on Wednesday and I did from Tuesday to Thursday, I believe, or else Wednesday to Friday was the Chanel Summers who we had in here. Yes. Uh, last episode. To talk with, she was running the, uh, Game audio education roundtables. Right. And so those were really those. interesting. Those were like all you. Yeah. Those those were really interesting. Um, because my general feeling is that the academic world is for the most part out of touch with professional game audio. Yeah. Um, and I, I guess academic meaning specifically university four-year programs. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it was good to actually talk to some of those people and yeah. voice my opinion. That's cool. Um, not get shouted down or anything because I think they're aware of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't think it should be a four year program. Right. Like, by the time you reach your fourth year, your first year is probably technologically obsolete. Yeah. So I totally agree with you. Um, we were talking about a bit before we started recording about this. Um, I think four year degrees are still relevant in the international world. Mm hmm. When you, when you look at getting a visa to work in another country, a lot of the requirements are a four-year degree. Right. And a lot of times it's – as long as your degree is close to what you're doing and right. then you've got some experience or like spot-on instruction, yeah, then you can get a visa. Like, you know, coming going to, to America from Canada for us, um, you can get what's called an AFTA visa mm-hmm. really easily if you have a job offer and a degree. Right. You can almost show up at the border with those two things and they'll be like, boom, NAFTA visa. Yeah. Um, Whereas if you just have a certificate. If you have a certificate, you can't do that. Yeah. You can get a job, but it's a lot harder for the people hiring you to Yeah. You have to go through a different visa, which is harder to get and Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. So I think if you're thinking of working internationally, it can be really relevant to still get a degree. But I still, I totally agree with you. If you're doing a technological degree, like if you learned... FMOD in the first year of your degree, three years later, there's going to be a whole different version of that. That's yeah. You know, totally different. And it's going to be a lot of irrelevance to what you learned. Yeah. You we're very technical based learning. So in that regard, yeah. Like a one year, maybe two years is, well, it's such a, it's such a learn the job on the job, job, (laughs) job, job. It, it seems yeah, like that, that's, that was my main, opinion i yeah. think but they did talk about a lot of integrating well and i i think that industry should always be very heavily integrated with the program you need industry speakers in yeah. a lot yeah um because the probably probably the hardest part about like the audio job is finding jobs yeah <laughs> all the actual working out working in audios is it's fun it's the the finding the work and the, once you've got the work communicating about what you're going to do yeah Right. The actual making sounds and implementing sounds is kind of the easy part. Mm-hmm. It's communicating with your designers and programmers. This is the audio vision for the game that jibes with your design vision of the game and how we're going to like link those together and all that kind of Keep stuff. it cohesive. Yeah. All yeah. of that communication stuff can be way harder than actually going and making a bunch of sounds. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Which can take us into that question. Nicely. Right. We, uh, I posted on Twitter asking for some questions. Uh, we got a couple of responses. It was Stefano Alessandro? Yes. Yeah. Audio Dream underscore sound is his Twitter name. Oh, okay. Um, and he asked, uh, what was the, what's been the weirdest description of a sound effects you've ever heard? Um, 
I'm assuming he's asking about description given to us by a producer, designer, programmer. Right. Um, so what's what's the weirdest thing? Where's description you've been asked for? Bespoke elegance. <laughs> we want all, we want I, I, all the sounds to have a bespoke elegance. That is pretty awesome. It was for a casual game. Yeah, anything casual is very difficult to describe because yeah. it's all completely abstract and it's all emotional words to describe it. Right. Usually, it's never it's never tactile. Yeah. So those are always the weirdest for me. Yeah, I feel emotion is actually can be a good. I like it descriptor. Yeah, um, but it took some getting used to. You know, make it. I need an angry sound. I need a happy sound. Like I can, I can do stuff with that. It's some of the other descriptors that are more vague that I have a hard like. We've talked about make it more purple. Yeah, um, that's still probably my most confounding one. Make it more purple. I just didn't <laughs> know what. You know, so many colors do sort of have. I guess it's there's colors that have emotional content to them for yes. the most part, and that's what we grab onto. But purple, I was like, I don't know, that's so like confused. I'm not, I'm not a synesthetist here. <laughs> yeah, um, that was kind of I think my weirdest weirdest one. Well, and it, it was funny purple. at the boot camp. Didn't one of the speakers say they had the exact same request, unprompted had, by you? They, they had make it orange, make it orange, um, oh, yeah. which was also in our last podcast. Yeah, um, was make it more orange. Was was mentioned. All right, people, send us your orange sounds. Yeah, or, and purple. We <laughs> need orange and purple. Let's sounds. nail this down <laughs> once and for all. So it's funny that other people have had like color descriptions. Yeah, yeah. I mean, colors. Different colors have different feels, right? So, like, red definitely has a feel to it. There's a you couple, can attach you can attach emotions to colors. I think they're. I think the primary colors we intrinsically attach yeah, yeah. feelings to. You know, red, red is anger, blue is sad, uh, yellow is probably happy, you know, but when you start... Make it more ultramarine. Yeah, you're getting the more out there color combinations, you're like, I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> Make it more teak. <laughs> yes, more wood descriptors. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, want a, I want an oaky sound. Yeah, totally. So, we had a couple other questions. Uh, David Chan on Facebook asked me... What's the weirdest field recording you've ever done? I have a bunch of weird you ones. You have a lot. I'll start I'll start cuz I think you have better ones than me. I haven't not done that much like scheduled regimented field recording. Yeah. Most of my field recording is like off the cuff weird like just running around with my recorder. Oh, there's a weird sound. I'm going to record yeah, that. Yeah. Um so I don't have any that weird ones with that. Like my big recording session that was planned was recording in the mine, which was, you know, that was kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think my weirdest off the cuff one wasn't so much weird as I was wandering, I was taking a ferry from Vancouver to Vancouver Island and noticed some weird sounds down on the car deck. Yeah. So I was wandering around with my H4 and like putting my head into like weird spaces and stuff and going, oh, there's a weird sound. And I put my recorder in there and like record for a minute. And so I'm wandering around and this guy from the ship comes down and he's like, what are you doing? Yeah. I was like, oh, I'm just, I'm recording some sounds like totally. I'm not like. It's I'm, my, it's my job. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not being a, <laughs> weird. Oh, I'm being weird, but I'm recording sounds. Like it's just. Yeah. And he was like, okay, we saw you on the cameras and you looked really suspicious. So we had to come see what you were doing. Yeah. No kidding. So I've checked you out and it's, it's like, he let me keep doing it, but he was like, we totally had to see what you're doing. Cause you look. Yeah. Like you were planting bombs or something. And I got caught riding an elevator up and down and up and down once. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. I did that. What uh, are you doing? I, uh, um, another time I was in San Francisco. Wasn't yeah. this time. Another time I, I visited the Coit Tower. Mm. You know, really old. And it's uh, a tourist spot now. Mm-hmm. And they have an elevator operator because they're like that old of an elevator. You need to operate it. Yeah. Uh, so I noticed going up that it was totally rickety, like crazy sounding thing. Awesome. So when I went down, I like, I went back onto the elevator when nobody else but the elevator operator was there. I was like, Hey, can I, can I just take this up and down a couple times? And can you please be like really quiet? I'm, I want to record the sound, like explained what I was going to do. And they was kind of like, okay, weirdo. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, I rode the elevator like two or three times. And And I bet those are awesome recordings. Yeah. It's just totally super rickety, like. Awesome, like, horror elevator I thing. may need that for an upcoming project. Yeah, I, I'll find that for you. Sweet. So, you're weird. Well, I went to Peru 
yeah. uh, for Smarter Every Day, the YouTube channel I work on. Um, and there I was just recording just everything. We were in the jungle a lot of the time. So, yeah. um, so there were giant leaf cutter nests. The, this is one of the first ones. I, I was doing most of my recording just on my little binaural mics, the Roland CS10 EMs, mm-hmm. um, and my little uh, DR05, which is totally worn out. I need a new one. <laughs> the preamps are blown. Um, but there were, so there were these huge leaf cutter nests, yeah. like mounds, and they they would cover like 30 square feet. Um, and are just kind of, but they're really, they're docile ants. They don't attack. Yeah. Uh, and I was actually just dangled my head, awesome. my microphones into the nest. Sweet. And apparently ants like kind of talk. So yeah. you can't really hear it with your, your ears, but with the preamps cranked, yeah. there's all this little chir- chirping and nattering Sweet. and stuff. So I got, that was really cool. Um, it's, there's, I got a lot of harsh insect yeah. sounds there. Cool. Another one was a cicada trapped in a lamp. <laughs> so I, I threw the mics in there yeah. and it's just freaking out. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. That's that like, I, really cool. I, we had, uh, bees going into don't starve let's say, ah, ages sweet. ago. And the, the week before we started talking about putting bees, I'd gone for a run in my neighborhood and mm-hmm. had basically run into a bee box. Ah, like that was, I guess it was on a community garden. Right. And there was the beehive person teaching people how to take care of the bees. So I'm like running down my path and then basically run into a cloud of bees. And I was like, oh, I'm got to turn another direction (laughs) because this is not fun. Um, And then like the next week we're like, hey, we're putting bees in the game. I'm like, I know where a beehive is. Like that's perfect timing. So spent a day, went to the beehive and totally slowly snuck up to it and put my recorder right at the entrance right. of it and backed up super slow the whole time going, Oh my God, I'm going to get stung by bees. Yeah. And then just stood there and hung out for, you know, five minutes or something. And then was your, was your recorder covered with bees though? It was, it, there was some bees on it and it was, it was, it was <laughs> nerve wracking, like getting in that, yeah. that close. Like my hand was at the entrance where all the bees are coming in and out of. So right. it's like, okay, I'm not, I'm, I'm friendly. I'm friendly. Yeah. Don't attack me. Didn't bring your smoke. So that's, dangerous yeah yeah so yeah recording in a jungle that's pretty out there jungle is amazing and some of the i got i got some really good ambiences from i that that's the most extensive recording trip i've done probably um was and i got ambiences from several parts of the jungle several different times of day and along like 45 minute awesome uh, ambiences that's but the night, that, the nighttime ones, yeah, terrifying, <laughs> because there's just stuff moving around. There'd be times where I'd I'd be like, I'd hear twigs snap, yeah, and I'd be like, that was big. <laughs> and uh, on the last day, on my way out, I noticed like in the place where I had been recording, yeah, there were fresh j- jaguar footprints. Jeez, so that was unnerving. Fuck <laughs> that. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's one of those areas that as an uh, an indie game sound person, we don't get as much like big field recording. No, trips. it's all our money, basically. Yeah, and and it's you 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 get littler opportunities to you know like I've I've never gone and recorded supercars on a r- racetrack or I've never gone out to a jungle. It's to hard to have a really stuff. good rig too. I mean, yeah, I've never personally gone out with a seven hundred two, not since school. Yeah, or a seven twenty two. Yeah, I had I used one back when I was at EA and. Never since, yeah. Um, I mean, I want one. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we, I think it's it's a bigger challenge to find opportunities to do those sorts of recordings, and it's still possible. It's just like you can't go as far, possibly. No, um, it's, it has to all be incidental recording. Yeah, yeah. Um, which you got to take advantage of that. Like, um, I have the hashtag for my Instagram of always be recording. Yeah, where you just you're always heavy recording because you never know what you're going to come across. Mm-hmm. Um, and you never know what you're going to be able to use that yeah. for. And it's, you never know what is actually within striking distance of where you live. Um, you know, my mind recording session, we were putting in caves into the game and I'd like burnt out all my library of cave underground sounds. I'm like, okay, I need to record some new source. Yeah. This is, this is it. And there are no caves near Vancouver. No, not within driving distance. Like you'd have to, 
spend a couple of days to go deep into the interior to find some caves. So I was like, okay, what else can I do? I'm like, well, I can probably find some car parks, but there's still mm-hmm. like city stuff. It's not really what I'm after. And somebody else on the team was like, well, what about Britannia Mines? We've got um, – it was a mine at the turn of the century that is now a mining museum about an hour and a half outside of Vancouver. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, yeah, they've, they've got a mine. That's like a cave. And I phoned them up and I was kind of like, there's no way this is going to like – this is going to be so expensive. Yeah. And they're like, oh, we, we get like film people coming here to record all the time. And it was really cheap. Yeah. Like they were like, basically, you just have to pay for a person to be there because we can't let you in the mine alone. Right. So it was 150 bucks an hour. Yeah. And I got to go in before any of the tours started and I got the place to myself for two hours. Which is tons of material. Yeah. So and it was relatively cheap. Yeah. yeah, what yeah. I've got, I've got enough source for any cave I ever do ever again. So, yeah. you know, that was awesome. And that was like just taking the chance of like, well, I guess I'll actually phone them. Yeah. You know, you never know what will, will work out in that regard. So yeah. you have to talk to people sometimes. Yeah. A lot of us, a lot of us don't get into business for that. <laughs> <all talking> to <laughs> I think, yeah. Well, going back to, to, I guess, wrap around. Yeah. Uh, I th- that's an interesting thing that's uh, on my mind a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, the difference between who winds up uh, working AAA and who winds up doing the indie thing, doing the freelance thing, yeah, is often ba- basically AAA get really good at something. Yeah, don't worry too much about your personal and business skills. Yeah, necessarily. Whereas doing indie, you don't have as much time to become amazing at something mm-hmm. you have to be totally jack of all trades i'm going home to do a commercial right now yeah i also have to run a business yeah which has been a huge huge learning curve yeah yeah so but uh, i mean it's definitely starting to work out but i think it's definitely knowing what kind of person you are and whether you are is this your thing or are you right. going to hate it you know yeah. i was a horrible back when i was freelancer when i started freelancing i was horrible I was totally introverted, like, don't want to talk to people. One oh, of those really? audio guys. Never and really I guys. really had to, like, learn. Yeah. Like, no, if you want work, you need to go talk to people. Yeah. You need to, like. And it really stresses some people out. Because yeah. you're, you're this sort of creative, you might be a kind of a creative insular type. Yeah. Which I, I know I have that in me. <laughs> and sometimes it's a struggle to go out and be social. Yeah. A bit, but I, I know I don't have it nearly as strongly as a lot of people as well. If you're afraid of people, get good, <laughs> learn Max MSP, work AAA. That's a swing back around a little bit to uh, talks at GDC. Mm-hmm. We're just kind of all over the place yeah. on this. Um, most of the talks I saw were about tools. Yes. Two of the biggest tools, one talk I saw and one I only heard about, uh, were both tools that were very Max MSP like yes tools. Um, what Killzone is Killzone, now, yeah, amazing talk, amazing tools that they're getting to use. I was actually able to take ideas from their talk and I'm putting into one of my games directly. Um, oh, sweet! But they're using. Uh, when I was at EA, we used a tool called Ames that was Max MSP like. Like, that was its inspiration. Mm-hmm. And they did the same thing, but on Killzone, it's kind of like 10 years later, the evolution of that idea and improvements and, like... Well, it's basically hardly even middleware, right? It's almost, like, folder-based. No, it's it's Isn't not it just so like that. You put the assets there, and they're in the game right now. There's that as well. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's all, like, boxes connected by wires, and you can do math in right. between those things. Right. So you can do just about anything. Which is really awesome. It was a, I love that style of tool. It just clicks in my brain of right. like, yeah, that's how that's how things work. Mm-hmm. Um, so they had an awesome tool, and they were doing really cool stuff with it. Um, and apparently, the GTA Five talk was about their audio tool, and it also is very Max MSP like tool, but even more like to a next level. Like their tools. Um, I really suggest anybody who has vault access, go look up that talk and watch it. Like I need to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, cause it apparently 30% of the sounds in GTA five are from a synthesizer, like procedurally generated, no audio content behind them. 
Which is crazy. Which everyone apparently's jaw hit the floor when they, they heard that. Like apparently yeah. the bicycles are all procedurally generated. I was wondering about that, playing the game. The bicycles, I, I'm betting the – I spend a lot of time just driving on the railroad. Yeah. So I can hit a train. <laughs> um, and I, I have a feeling that was as well. Yeah. Because it pitches and changes so wonder, like so beautifully. Yeah. You, you cannot hear any sample shifting. Yeah. yeah. Which is crazy, which is awesome that like they had such a cool tool yeah. behind everything. And so it's kind of showing where – Well, the Max, M- the Max MSP layout is so logical. Yeah. The cool thing too about the, the Kill Zone one was you could build – I think they called them nodes. Right. Um, where you build a function mm-hmm. doing some stuff and then you can save that node. Yeah. And you can name it something like this does, you know, this is a table for this. Yeah. And then use that in any other patch. Yeah. Post that. So you kind of build a library of presets of, of nodes that you're going to use in that game and like games after that, like you're building a, a usable library so for just, the future. Yeah. Continuously gets better and better. Yeah. Which That's is awesome. really cool. Like you're not like, it's not one-off stuff that's only for this game or only for this. Like, oh, I made this for this instance, and now i got to recreate all of that in the next one. Yeah. So it, no, was, it sounds similar to just saving plugin presets in uh, Pro Tools or... Yeah, but uh, you make the whole plugin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Basically. That's crazy. So that was super awesome, seeing the, the tools that... The proprietary tools that people are using and how, like... Um, and that'll all kind of filter down to middleware yeah. at some point for those of us that... That use middleware, yep. but the, that said, like I'm, middleware is awesome these days. So yeah, it's not like we're hurting for no. tools anymore. It's a, it's an exciting year. Yeah, there was one other thing that uh, we got asked when I was putting out the hey, anybody have any questions? Jeff, whose last name I have forgotten, okay, uh, is doing a crowdsourced Wilhelm sound library. Yes, like everybody record their own Wilhelm scream. Oh, is it you record believe, your own Wilhelm? I, I thought he was. I thought maybe he was archiving all the times it's been used. No, no, no. But he's creating a new it. library of Wilhelm-like screams, <laughs> so okay. that we can all legally use the <laughs> well, Wilhelm scream. Is the um, Wilhelm being used illegally by all the millions of people who are using it? I think it's in public public domain. No, by it's now. not public domain. It's not. No, there is. A Warner Brothers library that it was in. Ah, uh, it was in a library. Okay. Um. It then is the question: Does everybody own that library? I really doubt it. Yeah. Um. We put the Wilhelm scream in one of the Penny Arcade adventure games when I freelanced with Hothead. Okay. And we we did what this library is doing is we got one of our voice actors to copy the Wilhelm scream, <laughs> so we had like our own version. That sounded spot on. Like we made him like perform it exactly the same. Really? So that like we we have our own recording of it. You know, we're not using a bad sample or anything like that. Like, right. So, um, so we'll put the link up on the website for anybody who wants to contribute to that because I'm not going to read out a big long link. Why not? We have, we have endless amounts of time. No, I'm, I'm just not, I'm, no. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, we'll put the link up and and people Sweet. should contribute to that because that's pretty cool. So, I think there was one other question, wasn't there? In no. Be- in between those two? There was the, uh, the um, oh, right. description we did a, yeah, yeah, and okay. the field recording. And we're those done. are the questions we got, okay. which we're happy. Like, send us questions. Questions are cool. We're, we're totally willing to answer anything within reason about game audio. Yes. Put that caveat on there. Yes. <laughs> um, and I kind of wanted to wrap up... Uh, with a little bit of a concrete thing, um, sound design tip. Right. Like, we thought we should put some, some real-world usable things. Come in away here. with, if you hated the chatter. Yeah, you, you can, can at least skip to the end exactly. and listen to the sound design tip. Yeah. So, last time we talked a bunch about uh, no budget, which kind of relates to the fact that we don't get to go do big recording places. So, sound design tip for... Having no budget, my tip is go to the dollar store. Yeah. The amount of stuff that I've got in Don't Starve and Mark the Ninja that has come from the dollar store down the street is unbelievable. Yeah. Like, there is a huge resource if you've got a good, even a not good dollar store. If you can find a thing that has a windy bit, if you can find a thing that has a latchy bit. Yeah. What is A stretchy bit. 
yeah, balloons are great. You get balloons from awesome. Dollar Store. The kids' toy section is always got lots lots of weird like sparky things, and um, I found some like bamboo flutes at yeah. the Dollar Store that I've used for stuff. Um, the I really found, really crappy instruments, yeah, like are great for yeah. sound design, not for music, <laughs> but they're great for sound design. Um, I found uh, those springy door stoppers. Yeah. Last time I was at a dollar store, I found one of those and screwed it to a thing and did a bunch of springing awesome. with it, which I was going to the dollar store to to get some whistles. So I wasn't even looking for that. That's the other thing. Go to a dollar store with, with the idea of mind. like, hey, I wanna, I'm looking for X. Yeah. And be prepared to spend more money on a bunch of stuff you just find, which even then you're like, oh, no, I spent $10 and I got yeah. this huge pile of stuff I'm now going to make sound with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my sound design cupboard is full of dollar store stuff. Yeah, and which used correctly could totally yeah. pay for itself. You could put uh, together a little Unity library or packing um, that straw that like Easter basket straw. Yeah, great for tons of stuff. Ah, I've got a couple of bags of that. Right, you just crinkle it, make great crinkly sounds. Sweet. Yeah, yeah. So sound design tip: go visit the dollar store. Cool. Mine would be shorter. Uh, make make noise and chop it up. Yeah, that's I use that all the time when you're just building source. Don't even need a fancy plugin. You just need a plugin that you can break yeah. a little bit, overdrive it, get your feedback going forever. Make yeah. something horrible happen. Make <laughs> make something that people would enter the room and just be like, ugh. But with dynamic, yeah, just get some kind of crazy dynamic noise going on with mm-hmm. a delay or with hardware. Hardware's Great for that. Yeah. And uh, record it out, chop it into tiny pieces, and then you have UI forever. Right. Um, for days. Yeah. Cool. That's mine. Sweet. Sweet. So uh, seems like a, a good spot to wrap it up. I would say so. We don't want to be here too long because, yeah, shorter the better. Keep you wanting more. Yeah. Um, so, oh, one last thing as we're wrapping up. I am going to PAX East um, with Clay. All of you game people at the Indie Mega booth, I'm coming for you. Next next podcast, episode four, we're going to talk about, of all the indie game studios, who's doing all the sound work. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to come and visit all as many people as I can in the Indie Mega booth and ask you who's doing your sound, You know, be it you or be it some other company, and kind of do a little informal survey so we can find out who's doing the work. Yeah. I'll probably just be absent. Yes, I'll I'll edit it. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to gather that. I'm going to do those interviews and then bring it back. And we'll talk about what I find out. Um, Because I think not many of us really know how many people are doing their own work or hiring people Mm -hmm. or using free sources on the Internet. Yeah. Um, So hopefully that will help everybody. And Indie Mega Booth people, I'm coming for you. Sweet. And that's it. Right on. See you next time. Bye.